great stuff. Praise the Lord. Why don't you open your Bible with me in 2 Chronicles chapter 16. We just, uh, last week I shared with you a message, uh, making room for Jesus, making room for God. And I want to carry that message on today. I want to give you the second part of that. And uh, we want to just share with you some keys. I'll go back over the things. Remember, we looked at the beginning there. We found when God wanted to do something magnificent and great in the earth, he sent his only son into this earth. There was a guy who owned a business that could have given him hospitality, and he put up a sign, sorry, there's no room for you. What a tragedy. That man remains unknown to this day. The man that put up the sign, no room for Jesus. But the Bible tells us very clearly of people all through history who made room for God. God does not move just because he's there and we're here and we have a need. God moves when we take actions that make room for him to move. And there are some things that are catalysts or triggers that make room for God to move in our life. If you're wanting God to move in your life this year, you need to position yourself for that to happen. And so I shared with you some keys last week. Let's let's read this verse together here, 2 Chronicles 16, 9. The eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth the whole earth, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is perfect towards him. What an amazing scripture. God is looking. Imagine his eyes going everywhere in the world, including Flaxmere and Hastings and Napier and Tarrant. God's eyes going everywhere in the world, and he's looking, 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 looking. What's he looking for? He's looking for sin? No. Is he looking for the devil? No. No. What's he looking for? He's looking for someone who has positioned themselves for him to move. He's looking for the opportunity to show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for an opportunity this year to demonstrate he's God to you. To demonstrate he can do unusual things through you. To demonstrate he's a God who is extraordinary. So the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. When you woke up this morning, God was looking. He was looking to see whether you'd get up and pray. He was looking to see what attitude you would have as you woke up. As you go through your day, God is watching. He's looking for those whose heart is loyal to him. So what God is looking for is a loyalty, a heart committed to him. And we shared with you some things last week uh, on ways that we can make room for God. Of course, one of the problems we have is that everything else is trying to steal the time and, and take away our life. Yeah, pressures come on you. We have conflicts come. We have demands come. because anyone who's got a young baby or a couple of young children who've got three young children, you know, you think it's a miracle you can get to church at all. I reckon if they turn up and they've got all the kids with them, boy, they should get a pat on the back already because that was a hard job. It's a huge job. So there, there are demands on life. Of course, as you go on in your life and then they get teenagers, the demands increase, pressures increase. Financial pressures, demands of work, everything's pulling for your time and it's unembarrassed about pulling for your time. So it will ret- it'll take a resolve. It will take a decision for you to actually alter your life so God has room to move. And those this year who make these decisions to actually make room for God will see God move. Those who don't, it'll just be another year like last year, maybe a little worse. See? We actually choose to position ourselves for God to move. Now, the trouble is, of course, we have all kinds of reasons why we can't and this kind of thing. We want to remove all of those and just say, by the end of this year, I'm believing to see God move in my life and through me in a greater way than last year. And I will do whatever it takes for that to happen. 
that a good thing? So we share with you some things you could do last, last week. It's a choice to make room for God this year. And I share with you four things, and I'll share with you another three or four today. Number one we shared last week was to make a priority of your relationship with Christ. Make a relationship with God a number one priority. Don't put God an add-on at the end of the day. Make God your number one priority. And we saw Jesus' words to Mary and to Martha. He said to Martha, there's one thing's needful. Mary made the choice. Okay, second thing we saw was develop clear faith goals. We need to actually be pressing out for something to be accomplished in our life this year. God can only bless plans that you've actually planned. If you have no plans, then there's nothing's going to happen. Don't sit around waiting for God to tell you all to do. He gave you a mind for that. Start to think about your life and think about the areas of your life. Set out some things I want to accomplish this year. Start to pray over them and write them out and write them down as clear faith goals. These are things I am believing I will have done. Even people who don't know God know that you need to have goals in life to succeed. So why should we think that it's all just about praying when God requires you to do the things that lead for success? A third thing we saw was we need to speak faithful words. Speaking faithful words makes room for God. God watches what you say. Every day he hears what you say. Did you realize that the Holy Spirit is extremely sensitive to what you say? When he hears you say nice things here and then criticizing over there, he is grieved, wounded, and he withdraws. And then you feel an absence of his presence or heaviness in your life. God listens to what we're saying. So we need to determine to guard the mouth and to begin to speak words that build, speak words that are positive, and don't speak words that are double meaning. Like, you know, well, he's a great guy, but... Now listen, that's not faithful words. We need to learn to speak words that are in agreement with God's word. And the fourth thing we shared with you, which was a key to opening up the way, was to cultivate vital relationships. We actually need people. Now, you you think you could just, it's about God and me. It isn't just about God and me. God works in a body. And so we actually need other people for God to move in our life. Other people are vital for God moving in our life. People that can speak into us, people that encourage us. David had Jonathan. The Bible says Jonathan went to him and encouraged him when he was in a place of discouragement. Well, listen, don't ring me when you need that. You should be in a small group somewhere. You should have made the commitment to build vital relationships with people who can actually be supportive of you when you're going through trouble. You need to have some vital relationships. And we talked last week how that means also there's some relationships you need to actually diminish or cut off completely because they actually drain the energy out of you. God is looking for a church full of vital people. He wants you to be vital. So when you're in relationship with others, you are a blessing and encouragement to them, and they likewise to you. Not so, it's a drain. When we come, we have something to contribute. That's why the Bible says when we gather together, we all have something to contribute. So we go as a contributor, not as, well, here I am, now look after me. I've seen too many leaders literally disheartened and discouraged and give up for this one reason. They had people in their group who never wanted to change, just wanted someone to look after them. It ain't going to happen. You've actually got to be responsible. God calls members of his church to be responsible, to contribute to the cause of Christ, not to just leech or draw off what others are doing. You can't do that. You may start off in need, but you've got to begin to make the changes so you begin to become a contributor. 
And so vital relationships are important for us. Okay, now let's have a look at some other areas. I want to share with you three or four other areas today that you can actually make room for God. Now these kinds of things, as you do them, it positions you for God to do something you never expected. See, it positions you for something to happen. So here's the next one. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. Step out of the comfort zone. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of the Lord brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe or shall be saved or shall experience the blessings of salvation. So the Bible tells us very clearly that we can actually be snared or end up where we're limited, trapped, where we actually find that our whole potential is far below uh, our potential is there, but we're not actually functioning properly. Bible tells us in 2 Timothy that fear will quench your giftings. So you may have a gift. Your gift will make room for you in life if you can identify it and develop it. But if you actually, because of a fear of people or because you just want to stay in a place where you're comfortable, if you don't do something with the gift you have, then what happens is you make no room for God to move. So uh, the fear can have a tremendous cause of loss of anointing, loss of authority, cause us to withdraw, cause us to hold back. Disappointment can hold us back. All kinds of things can hold us back. And so what we do is we tend to move into a comfort zone. I want you to uh, read with me out of 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19. I want you to see we had a guy who withdrew into a comfort zone. Maybe some of us today are in a comfort zone. I find for me it's a challenge every year to stretch out of a comfort zone. See, we become comfortable when we just get used to doing the same things over and over. We need a fresh challenge. Let me define a comfort zone. Comfort zone. Are you in a comfort zone? Here's a comfort zone. Comfort zone. I like comfort zones. I feel very comfortable. See? I like my bed. It's a great comfort zone, you know. Very, very, I don't want to get up. You know? I don't want to go out there, you know. This is nice. Uh, so here's a comfort zone. It's an environment where a person feels secure or at ease. It's an environment where you feel safe. It's easy. There's no stretch. That's good. Very comfortable. We like that. I like a comfortable zone. See, lifestyle where you feel comfortable and there's no challenge or change. It's a lifestyle where you... It's a lifestyle. So it's not only a a situation. It's a lifestyle where there's no challenge for you. You just want change. You don't stay the way you are. Doing the same things this year that you did last year. Everything's all the same. Uh, And it's a level you function at with ease or familiarity. Or in other words... You're just functioning the way you've been functioning and you're comfortable with it, you're doing okay. You're in a cruise mode. No stretch, no stretch. See, it's a comfort zone. When you're in a comfort zone, you don't need God because you start to rest without realizing it on your ability or on the circumstance or on the environment. There'd be a lot of people sitting in a comfort zone. I found, for example, in the area of faith, stretching out to depend on God i got to work on myself every year or I'll draw back to the comfort zone. Comfort zone, you don't take any risks. Comfort zone is just that. It's a place you feel comfortable, but you don't see any miracles in the comfort zone. You don't see unusual things happen in the comfort zone. Nothing changes in the comfort zone. You just carry on in cruise mode. i got a cruise control on my car. Nice, you push the button and it just cruises. And I let it go and start to put my foot on the accelerator. Now that's something different. Okay, but that's a cruise mode, a cruise mode. So don't be in cruise control in your life. You pushed the button 10 years ago and you've never got out of cruise mode. There's no way to live your life. You'll end up full of regrets. So look at this guy, Elijah. Here's Elijah who got into a cruise mode. 
He got a bit disappointed. He got set back. And so he goes into cruise mode. Now, we'll pick it up in verse 9. Now, what has happened is he's faced a disappointment. He's faced a challenge that intimidated him. Even though he'd once seen God moving, he got a bit of a knockback. And we do experience knockbacks in our life that drive us into God, not away from God. So he hikes it. He just takes off, and he goes and eventually finds himself in a cave. And so he lies down inside a cave, a dark place, a comfort zone, a place away from any risk, away from any challenge, away from the whole of the problems. I'm out of here. I'm in the comfort zone. And so he's there. And I want you to see what God says to him. The words that God says. Notice it says he came into a cave. A cave is it's a, literally a dark, a dark place of hiding and withdrawal. Don't be in a cave in your life. Don't hide in a cave. Don't withdraw from life. Don't withdraw from what God is doing. Don't get into cave mode. You know, I used to get into cave mode a lot when I was a younger Christian. I don't get that way now. A cave mode. You withdraw and you're hiding in there. You know, don't be hiding in a cave. And it says he lodged there. That means he remained there overnight. That's the same word as meaning to grumble or complain. So when you're in a place of grumbling and complaining, you're drawn back into a cave and you're you're reflecting negatively on what's going on with your life. And so I want you to hear what God said to him. I like the words that God said. He says, this is what the Lord says to him. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? What are you doing in this place, Elijah? I have a calling on your life. You don't belong in a cave. There is a need in the nation. You don't belong in a cave. You were born for this hour. You don't belong in a cave. I anticipated this over centuries and I raised you up for such a purpose. What are you doing here in a cave, Elijah? You see, God would very well say the same thing to each of us. He has raised you up in this hour to accomplish something that only you can do. There is a purpose for your life. There's something God put his hand on you long before you were born. He had something to accomplish through your life. And then after he thought up that plan, then he put you into being. Just like a manufacturer, they, they don't design a toaster, then work out what it's for. See? They actually work out the purpose. I want a machine that will cook up pieces of bread and make them just nice. And you can get it from mousy brown to foxy brown, whatever you want. But I'll make that nice machine. Now, how are we going to make it? How are we going to design it? So I think through all the design, get the thing all made. And there it is. The machine comes after the purpose. When you create something, you have a purpose. Then you bring up a product that will meet the need. And God saw in this hour, there are needs in our community, needs around us, needs, and he designed you to meet those needs. He designed you with giftings and abilities and put in your heart some dreams, desires, and longings so you would know what he's called you to do. And if you don't get in touch with the dreams, desires, yearnings, and longings and own them as being a part of how God made you and wired you, you won't embrace the purpose of God. You'll hide. And you can hide in lots of places. You can hide behind TV, hide in a, behind a computer, hide on your cell phone, hide in a, in a row in a church. You can hide anywhere. And God's word to you is always the same. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? There's such a need out here. And you're the one I raised up. What are you doing here? 
And I can well imagine God looking around at some of your friends who are unsaved and some of the people you know who are in trouble and here you are and you're withdrawn and you've got these issues and stuff. What are you doing here? I have need of you to go out. Twice God says to him, what are you doing here in this cave, Elijah? Now it's like, do you think God had to figure out why is Elijah in the cave? When God asks a question, so we think. What he wanted Elijah to do was to actually acknowledge where he was and begin to talk out why he was there, what he was thinking, and what he was feeling. God wanted him to enter into connection. God wanted to help him. So God challenged him. What are you doing in the cave? What are you doing here? Oh, I'm running away. I just don't want to go there. And now, now listen to what comes out of his mouth. I'm the only one who's been true to you. Everyone's given up. Hill, the whole place has gone downhill. It's shocking. I'm the, I've been, oh, but me. Oh, well, I've been, I've been, I've been really true to you, Lord. What are you doing in the cave then? It's very easy for us to look how bad problems are. Problems in the world, problems in your business, problems in your family, problems in the church, there's problems everywhere. But the key question God wants to ask you is, what are you doing in the cave when you're called to solve some of those problems? There's an assignment or a pro- there's a problem that you're created to fix. If you won't fix it, it'll remain a problem. Or God will have to find someone who will make room for him and raise them up. Now that's... That, to me, would be the biggest tragedy of our life. If God said, I, I guess he wants to stay in the cave, I have to find someone else. That's a tragedy, isn't it, eh? You don't want that. Oh, what are you doing in the caves, eh? And so what did God do? God gave a demonstration of his power. There was wind and there was earthquakes in his mind. Then God spoke into his heart, said, Elijah, go back. I've got work for you to do. He showed, first of all, he is a great and a powerful God. He demonstrated what he is like, and then he returned Elijah to his purpose. And Elijah, he was reminded of his purpose. I got work for you to do. This year, God has work for you to do. Do not hide in a cave. There are some of you I know are hiding in caves. You're hiding in a cave of rejection. What are you doing there? You're in a church, Holy Ghost Church, that can set you free. What are you doing there? Some of you are in a, in a cave of addiction. What are you doing in there? What are you doing in there when there's an atmosphere and, a, and an anointing here to set you free out of that place? What are you doing there? Some of you are in a place of disappointment and of failure. Well, what are you doing in that cave? You don't belong there. There's a work for you to do. You need to be reminded how powerful God is and what he wants to accomplish in your life. He wants to do something through you. When Elijah was reminded of the purpose of God and said, yes, I'll do it, then what a change took place. What a change takes place when we say yes to God instead of hiding away. Look in 2 Kings chapter 1 and verses 9 and 10. This is the same man hiding in a cave. Now look at him. See, when you actually decide... I will embrace what God called me to do. I will go back and position myself where he can do it. Instead of hiding, see? instead of drifting around and, and hiding and isolating yourself, I will actually position myself where God wants me to be, to do what he wants me to do, then God begins to come. Now look what happens. 
Now, remember, you've got to remember, Elijah got frightened by this woman Jezebel. Now he's run away. Now he's, embraced, he's seen God move. He's embraced the purpose of God. He made a decision, what God wants in my life, I'm going to do it. And he made room for God. You know what happened then? Very simple. He came out of where it was comfortable in the cave and he put himself in harm's way. He put himself deliberately in harm's way. And so they sent soldiers to take him. And, and, and Elijah's up here, and he's up on a little bit of a hill. And the soldiers come up, and they say, Oh, thou man of God, come down. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to come down out of your position in Christ. He wants you to come down out of your relationship with him. He wants to come down out of your calling. He wants you to come down. Don't stay where God has positioned you. You come down and just be like everyone else. You live a normal life. You live an ordinary life. Don't you rattle the boat at all. See, that's what the devil wants. Come down, man of God. And this is what he, I love his answer. Now, this is no longer a guy in the comfort zone. He says this, if I'm a man of God, then let fire come down. I'm not coming down. Let fire come down. And they had a barbecue that day. Barbecued soldier. Boy, I just can't wait when I get to heaven. I ask God to give me a replay on some of those events. There are some spectacles in the Bible. Can you imagine it? You know, a whole team of 50 soldiers there to get one prophet. says, if I'm a man of God, let fire come down. That barbecued soldiers. They did that twice. Third time, but the soldiers turn up. Now, they're not so confident. Ah, oh, please. What did I hear? Oh, please, please, could you come with us? Oh, what did I hear again? Please. What a, there's a good attitude of respect. See? Attitude of respect now. See, now that's how it's changed from threatening him and want to kill him and chasing him out of town to now there's a bit of respect here, you know, because fire's come, because God acted on his behalf. If God acts on your behalf, believe me, people start to respect that. They may not understand it, they don't know what quite it is. They call it vibes. They call it all kinds of stuff. But they just get a little afraid of it. You notice that? Unsaved people get a little afraid when you start to be confident and bold and outspoken in your walk with God. Are you a man of God? Are you a woman of God? Are you? Are you? Well, you're not sure. You're still in a cave. You say, I'm a man of God. That's who you are. A man of God, a woman of God. That's who you are. You've got to start to live like one and think like one and act like one. I'm a man of God. Oh, let fire come down. I'm not coming down. I'm staying here. I'm staying in the positioning God has for me, and I'm not drawing back to a comfort zone. See? See, what he did was he heard from God, and he, made, he, he obeyed what the Lord said and stepped out. Just he got out of the comfort zone, and now he starts to see power again. His authority comes back. His boldness comes back. Oh, I like that. I just want God to show, show me that video. The look on their faces just before fire. See, that's the God we serve. He stands by you when you stand by him and fulfill his call for your life. Not when you play it easy and cruisy. You don't see anything when you play it easy and cruisy. You see, I tell you what you see. You see God working through other people. That's what you'll see. You'll see God working through other people. wonder why it's not you. And then it'll increase your rejection. Oh, God doesn't like me. Blah, 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 blah. What are you doing there in that cave of rejection? Come on out of it. Out of it. See? So I wonder what cave you need to come out of. You got a cave to get out of? Turn the person next to you. He's talking to you. I know it. I've just got a witness about this. You've got to get out of that cave you're in, you know. Wives will all be pushing their husbands. And 
Uh, Got to get out of that cave. Okay, Hebrews chapter 12. Here's, here's, here's the next thing. Pursue personal breakthrough. So get out of the cave, out of the comfort zone. No hiding away anymore. Some people hide away from me. Because I remember hiding away from a pastor. <laughs> I was in a cave. I didn't want him to find me. <laughs> when he found me, I felt guilty. <laughs> oh, what are you doing here? Now let's have a look in Hebrews chapter 12. Here's the, here's the next one, next key to how to get to, to, to position yourself for God to move. Uh, here's another one. This is really important. I believe this for many people here today. Pursue personal breakthrough. I know you're wanting God to do great things outside you and around you and everyone else, but what about your life? Pursue personal breakthrough, personal change. Most people are waiting for someone else to change. Ah, wait till I get the break. Well, there's a break coming for me. Get off that kind of stuff. The question is, if a break came, would you be ready? Or would you be any different to what you are now? See, so uh, pursue personal change. That's what Hebrews 12 verse 1, it says, uh, let us now uh, cast aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us and run with patience the race that is set before us. There it is. Lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily besets us. See, the weight is a hindrance, restraint, anything that limits or hinders you doing your best for God. A, res- a weight. So weights aren't necessarily bad things. It's just they have a limiting, hindering impact in your life. And he says, and also the sin that so easily besets us. So let's ask you this question. What is slowing you down in your life? What is hindering you in walking with God? What is it that continually seems to be, it's the thing that's holding you back? Now imagine trying to run a race and, and I put on my suit a three-piece suit and a tie and some big shoes and I turn up at the running line and everyone else is not dressed that way. Everyone else dressed, they got shorts and they got a a singlet on or some kind of t-shirt thing and they got running shoes. I've got no show of winning that race. Now it's not because I'm not necessarily a good runner. It's because I got too much weight on, too much stuff clogging up my life. And so you've got to shed it. There's just some stuff was fine in its time, but now it's time for it to go. You just got to let it go. And that is things that get around our life that are just clutter. They just clutter your life. For some people, the internet is cluttering your life and stealing it. If you want to know if it's stealing you or not, get a clock, a clock that'll just keep adding on the time and then just push the button. Every time you go on, push it off. Every time you go off, next time on, push it on again and watch it accumulate the hours. You see your life disappearing texting. There's all kinds of things that'll steal your life. Now, I'm not saying these things are wrong in themselves. They're not. The question you've got to ask is, what is weighing me down from pursuing God and accomplishing what he has for my life? For some of you, it's your work. And you've just allowed your work to dominate and rule your life. You've got to deal with that. Work is never ended. You've just got to bring order and balance around your life and then expect that God will help where you've actually got limited resources or maybe you've got to delegate, maybe you've got to get someone else on, whatever it is. So what is it? What is holding you back? Is there a habit holding you back? Keeps coming up. A sin, some kind of sin. Is there some fear that's dominating your life? Well, what are you going to do about it? It just holds you back. You'd love to step out, but you can't because what? You're afraid. Why don't you deal with the fear? Why don't you name it and start to get some help to deal with it? Is there some insecurity? Is there control? 
You love everything to be in control. Well, listen, that's a bondage to your life. That'll limit you to your little capacity. You don't give God room to move. Is there some painful experience you've had and it continues to recur in your life and cause you to be continually sabotaging your relationships? What is it that is a weight for you? Now, that's what you need to deal with. Last year, young people, last year... On Father's Day, I had a word for, for the church just on fathers, on honoring fathers. Isn't that right? Remember that one. Then God said, do it again. So I did it again, different way Sunday night. The week later, he said, do it again. Now, when God tells me to do something three times, I can tell you he's wanting you to do something. And so when God sends someone to the church to speak the same thing three times, if you didn't move, you're foolish. Because God was trying, you see, what God was doing was positioning you to exit where you are and to enter the new things. And there are some of you responded quickly and immediately, I get you up now and testify, the changes took place. There are some that wouldn't. And you are still where you were last year. You made no room for God. When God spoke about an issue and you didn't want to deal with it, then you didn't change. Come on, think about it. God starts to speak about these things. You've got to deal with them. You have to. All of us have to. So, so when God starts to speak about an issue, there's sometimes there's things you've just got to get rid of. Why don't you have a look at Mark chapter 10 in blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus. Why don't you see something that he did? Now, of course, he's got a bit of a miserable life. He's, he's blind for a start. So he's got no vision for his life, got no sense of purpose or direction. And so that limits what he does. Now he's sitting by the wayside. He's sitting on the side of the road. And basically, he's a dependent person. He's on a benefit. Everyone goes by, he rattles a cup at them and wiggles his eyes. And they're like, oh, yeah, give him something quickly. Let's get on out of here. You know? And so he was in a place of begging. He was a place of depending on others to come through for him. Okay then. Now, what he really needed was he needed for God to touch him. Now, I want you to see what he did that made room for God. It says, when he heard that Jesus was coming by, he began to cry out. And he cried out. And they said, shut up. So he said, I'm going to cry out louder. And he cried out louder. I said, shut up. They started to threaten him. He cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then Jesus heard him. You see, he wouldn't be stopped. There was a determination. I'm going to change. I'm not going to stay like I am. I don't have to stay like I am because the one who can change me is here. So if I stay like I am, it's because I sat down and did nothing. I'm going to make a fuss. I'm going to make a noise. I am not going to let go till I've got a miracle till I've broken through. See the attitude he's got inside him. And so Jesus then heard him and, 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 and stood still, bring him to me. Now I want you to see what it says in the Bible he did. It says he, it says, casting off his garment, arose and went to Jesus. He cast off. See, there was something he did. Now, what you've got to understand is the beggars had a garment. They had a cloak that identified them as a beggar. They were easily identified by the kind of garment they had. When he threw that off, he'd already made a decision. I am not going back to that lifestyle. I have the one in front of me who can make a change in my life. I'm going to him and I will never go back to that thing again. He did two things. He threw off what was no longer necessary in his life. And he stood up and he came into the presence of Jesus. And interesting what Jesus said to him. Jesus said this words to him. He said, what would you that I do? What do you want me to do? Crazy thing to ask a blind man. But that word would, what will you have that I do? Now listen, that word means this. It means, what have you purposed in your heart you should have? What have you determined and resolved within will be yours? Oh, isn't that good? 
So let me ask you this this year. What have you purposed in your heart will be yours this year? What have you determined in your heart will be yours this year? Especially in relationship to an area of your life that you need to break through or break out. Now it could be in marriage, it could be in finances, it could be in a relationship, it could be in a personal bondage, it could be some kind of area of habit. What is it that you've decided at the beginning of this year, you purposed, I am breaking out. This is no longer going to be part of my life. I'm out of this. What is it? Do you have anything? You see, after that it says, Jesus gave him what he wanted, and he got up and walked. He was a different man. You know, when Jesus approached him, the guy was sitting by the side of the road. Jesus could have walked by him and nothing happened, but he made room for the Lord in his life. We've got to do the same thing. Got to make room for God. How do we make room for God? Very simple. There are some things we've just got to resolve. Some things we've got to deal with. Some things we need to get rid of out of our life. There's baggage we've got to throw off. Now, I know I, I, at the end of last year, Holy Ghost was moving. I think it was probably following that encounter uh, weekend that we had with Joe McFadden and Ian. But in the, in the period of about two months after that, issues started to surface in a lot of people. Suddenly, there was just this, all this counseling needs, all kinds of things. Now listen, what you didn't need was counsel. What you needed was to own the stuff. The only way we ever get free is if we stop trying to change or blame someone else. We need to actually own our stuff. Listen, your life is not dependent on anyone else. It's dependent on you. Your joy is not dependent on someone else. It's determined by you. You have to realize that. Stop playing the victim and the blame. We've got to get right out of that and say, listen, my life in, in this year is going to be what I make it with the help of the Lord. Everything about my life will be what I've decided it will be and have worked on with Jesus. And if there's things I've got to let go of, connections, if there's things in the past I've got to let, I'm going to do it. I'm going to let it go. You going to do that? Say, and he received a breakthrough. He made a purpose. He made room in his life for God. He made room in his life for God. I think I'm just going to stop there. I've got a couple of other ones, but I'm going to leave them right now. I'll carry them on next week. Step out of the comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. You have to decide to take on some challenges, to break out of and come out of the cave where you've hidden. And two, there's a need for us personal breakthrough. We need to pursue personal breakthrough. We need to decide in our heart we're going to pursue change on the inside. Now listen, so often we're blaming all kinds of things, and then we become more bitter and more angry. The Bible says when a, in Proverbs, it says, when a man messes up his life, his heart rages against God. Isn't it amazing unsaved people don't believe in God until something goes wrong, and then they blame him. Hello, when did you start to believe in God? No, no, it's because of sin. We, we become angry at people, anyone except just coming before God and saying, Lord, I want to position myself for change. I want to position myself for you to work in my life. Let's just close our eyes and bow our heads right now. Several things we've shared that would make room for God. Here's two of them today. Will you make room for God in your life this year? Will you make room for Him? Are there things you need to let go of? Is there a comfort zone, a cave that you've been hiding in, a cave of rejection or failure or, or disappointment? Disappointment can leave us there. We get hurt by people. Yeah, yeah, Jesus got a bit hurt by people too. But he was able to say, Father, forgive them. He never let disappointment, betrayal, failure of others around him shift him from his purpose and course in life. Neither should we. See, he's the one we follow.
You follow people around you, they say, oh, don't let them treat me like that. You know, get them back, you know, do this. But listen, when we talk with God, he says, I know what this is like. Don't hide there anymore. Come on out. Come on out. I've got to work for you to do this year. Come out of that place of withdrawal, retreat, hiding. Come out of your cave. You don't have to be there. I'm a great God, and I haven't changed in my purpose towards you. I wonder what people here today, you're in a cave of disappointment, of defeat, of failure, of hurt, of rejection perhaps. God just speaking to you today. Elijah, what are you doing here? You don't belong here. I got work for you to do. Is that you? Why don't you just raise your hand right now if God's speaking that way? God bless. God bless. Many hands. Many hands. I wonder today if perhaps God was speaking to you through that second point I made about pursuing personal breakthrough. There's a habit, scenario, disappointment, or an offense, an injustice. Something that really winds you up. You just need to deal with it and resolve it. Maybe a conflict you're having in marriage and you're so busy getting angry at the spouse you can't realize God's trying to change you. So you're praying and you're working on them to get them to change and they won't change. You get more angry and frustrated and God's saying, you need to change. One near me changes. See? Pursue breakthrough. Pursue personal change. So what is it you need to break out of? If you're not sure, ask God still not sure ask a group leader who's near to you or ask a friend who knows you well or your spouse what area do you feel I really need to break out of this year they'll probably tell you if you let them if you're willing to see and then God will help us what do you want this year are you willing to throw away the beggar's garment you don't have to sit there in a place where you're out of the flow of God, where you're out of the flow of God's blessing, where you're just dependent on others and continually seem to be full of need and no sense of vision for your life. Say, God, I want vision and purpose and clarity for my life. Give it to me. Give it to me. That's you today. Why don't you raise your hand and say, God's speaking to me. There's personal breakthroughs I need to make, issues I need to deal with. So many hands going out. Thank you, Lord. There's others today, perhaps you haven't really heard what I said. You didn't realize God was talking to you too. You need him today. We all need him. See, right now, as I begin this year, I'm taking time to just sit in the presence of God. I need him. I can't live off last year. I can't live off what I know. I need him afresh today. I need him afresh this year. I need fresh breakthroughs and enlargement. I need it. After all these years, I still need it. So do you. I wonder, is there any person here who perhaps you've never given your life to Jesus? You've made no room for God in your life. Perhaps you're aware that there is a God and perhaps you're aware that... You know, God is touching other people's lives. Perhaps you've looked and you can't deny that some people have something you don't have. And that's something, if you'll admit it as God, you were made for a relationship with God. But it doesn't just happen. You have to make room for him. You make a choice. 
you make a response. God so loved the world, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for your sins, to represent you so that sin which separated you from God, its power could be canceled, its legal right broken, so you could have access to a God who loves you, who destined you to walk with him. If that's you today and you say, I need to know Jesus, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to become a Christian today. Just raise your hand. Is anyone here today wanting to become a Christian? God bless you. See the hand over here. Anyone else? Anyone else today? I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone else today? Anyone else? The most important decision you can make is to make room in your life for Jesus. When we make room for Him, everything changes. We get a new beginning. You start. Anyone else today? Anyone else? Anyone else? Father, I just thank you for your presence here speaking to us. I thank you this year is a year of tremendous breakthroughs, tremendous enlargement increase for all of us. Lord, we open and position ourselves for this to happen. In Jesus' name. Amen. That man that put his hand up, what I'd like you to do is I'd like to just pray for you and only take a minute. And I'd love to just pray with you. Church, why don't we all just get on our feet and just stand. Let's just clap that someone's responded to Jesus today. Where is that man that put his hand up? If I'd like to come, I'd like to just pray for you. Only take a couple of minutes. Someone put their hand up over here. Would you like to come? I'd like to just come down so I could pray for you. Who is that man? Just put his hand up. I've just lost sight of them right now. They put their hand up. Just want to receive Jesus. Who is that person? Just somewhere over there seem to have lost sight of you. Okay, come up and talk with me afterwards. Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the power of your spirit and your word to change us. We thank you this year is a great year for us. Lord, we choose to position ourselves for growth, increase, and enlargement and believe that that's your plan, your will for all of us. Everyone said? Amen. Listen, tonight we begin our meetings again. Going to have prophetic edge to it tonight. So come along. Let's just really come and enjoy God tonight. Enjoy the Spirit of God. Enjoy the Word of God. Let's position ourselves for God to touch us afresh. Amen. Don't forget, if you're visiting, come on upstairs, have a cup of coffee. We'd love to just get to know you and meet you.